Hi, and welcome to episode 5 of Cavalier Cast, where I look at anything and everything related to the War of the Three Kingdoms, which took place between 1639 and 1651. Don't forget, you can listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast too. Last episode, I spoke to the curator of the Cromwell Museum. And in this episode, I'll continue that museum theme and interview Kevin Winter of the Newark Civil War Centre. So welcome, Kevin. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks, you, Mark. So can I start by asking about where your long-standing interest in the Civil War stems from? Yeah, part of it comes from when I was at school. I had a teacher who nurtured my interest in history. And one of the books that she she actually gave me when I was still at school was a book called Gamble for the Throne, which was a novel set in the Civil War period. Um, so I then went on to get hold of a copy of John Bocken's um, biography of Cromwell. So it sort of started then and then lay dormant for a, a lot of years. Uh, but the last five years in the Navy, I was doing an open university history degree. And one of the modules uh, was about the fronds in France and the civil wars in, in the UK. So, yeah, but once I came to live in, in Newark, um, it's all around you. The, the civil wars, it just surrounds you. So you, you actually lead some history walks around Newark as well, don't you? Yeah. Um, and that's partly for, I'm doing this as part of Heritage Open Days um, on behalf of the museum. But I'm also um, chair of the Battlefield Trust in the East Midlands. I'll also do um, civil war walks for, for that as well. Newark had a central role in the civil war, didn't it? It was fought yeah. over many times, yeah. um, hence the three sieges. So what, what made it a key part of the civil war? Uh, it's strategic location, basically. So it's, um, it's on the, the Great North Road and the crossroads where it crosses the Fossway. So you've got the Fossway coming from Exeter up to Lincoln. So effectively a um, southwest to east effectively um highway and then the main road in into the north put that with the fact that you've got river transport from the humber coming along the trent and it's the last crossing place on the trent before it becomes tidal um so it became known as a key to the north uh, and cromwell for the first two years of the civil war was adamant that you know it, the, the parliamentarians should take new um after 1644 and master Moore, it became less important but yeah, up, yeah. up to that time, um, you know, people saw it as, as key to um, controlling the north of the country. Okay, so um, so just a little bit about the museum now. Um, so when was the museum set up and, and who by? Basically, the, the building, so the old Magnus buildings, which were um, grammar school, uh, a grade two star listed. Uh, and uh, there had been the previous museum there, Apton Gate Museum which closed in 2004, and that was the sort of archaeology and the, the Civil War side of the, the town story. 1977, uh, there was a new museum opened at Millgate, which was at really sort of folk until about 2012. So then for a period of about three years, that there was no museum in Europe at all, but there was always the, the plan that we were going to reopen the old man's buildings as a National Civil War Centre. Um, so, and, and there's... The building itself is owned by Newark and Sherwood District Council, as is the museum collection, effectively. It's a district council-run museum, but it, it was partly a way of putting back into use grade two-star listed buildings and, and putting them to good use as 
something that reflected that that history of the of the town. Now the museum has just reopened, hasn't it? It um, has on Wednesday. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. yeah. So how how has that gone, and how how are you managing the visits? Um, at the moment, we're, we're encouraging people to try and book ahead. And um, basically, there's half-hour slots where we're letting uh, a certain amount of people in. So we're trying to make sure that uh, there's not too many people in the building at any one time. Mm. There's a one-way system uh, around through the Civil War Gallery um, and lots of boards that say, you know, keep your two metres distance, but with a fun fact underneath, effectively. The top floor, so the uh, the temporary exhibition on fake news, uh, unfortunately, we can't let people up there at the moment. Yeah, it's, you know, people are slowly coming back. Uh, at the moment, it's free to any, any new residents, and I think it's half price for uh, anybody outside the town. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, the numbers increase and people start coming back to us. Okay, so, so the museum's collection then. How many items would you say roughly are in the collection and, and what's your personal favourite? Um, I mean, the museum collection overall is over 90,000 objects. But that's, yeah, on the New York Museum side of things as well. So by the time you take into account all of the, uh, the lead shot, which amounts to a fair bit, um, and all the books that we've been collecting um, since we opened and the arms and armour that we've been collecting since we've opened, we're probably looking at uh, around about 1,500 Civil War-related objects. Um, my favourite Civil War object is probably um, uh, Thomas Fairfax's sword, which is uh, on loan from the current uh, Sir Tom Fairfax. Great. So you've got a connection there with the Fairfax family, the descendants. Yeah, yeah they've been extremely generous to us. Um, a lot of personal objects related to, to Fairfax. So we've, we've had his boots, his sword, uh, the the drinking flask and, and cup that were given to him by Cromwell, uh, supposedly made out of the hide of Cromwell's horse, Blackjack. Uh, it's difficult to find, you know, sort of concrete proof of how many there were. Well, we believe that there were 27, uh, and the one uh, Fairfax has got has got number six dumped uh, into the bottom of it. You know, lots of personal items. Um, there's lots of medals. So uh, one of the ones that has recently just gone on display is uh, the Fairfax Medal following um, uh, Naseby. And, and the sword as well. You mentioned the sword. Um, I think you'd, you'd said that you can see um, the similarities between that sword and the one in the, the portrait of Fairfax. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, so in um, Anglic Red Viva, so England revived, and there's a, a, a wood cut of him on his horse, and the sword looks almost identical. We had Cromwell's sword, uh, one of the swords he was, he was given when he was uh, Lord Protector in 1653. So that was on loan from the Cromwell Museum when we opened um, World Turned Upside Down last year. Uh, and that was pristine. It was a ceremonial sword, effectively. Right. You look at Fairfax's and there's nicks and dents all over it. It has seen serious battle. Just imagine him wielding that uh, uh, you know, at Nays being masked and more. That's one of the privileges of, uh, you know, doing the job that we do is being able to hold those types of things in your hand and connect it back to that, you know, that, yeah. that person. Fascinating. So it's impossible to display everything. So how often do you try and vary the collection? Um, it, it does evolve all, all the time. So um, we get a lot of objects that come through the treasure process. 
not that long ago, uh, we had a, another Posy ring, uh, which came up uh, and, and which we purchased. Obviously, most of the displays now have been there for about five years. Uh, we've got quite a lot of objects on loan from the Royal Armouries, from uh, the Science Museum, and from uh, Museum of London. So it, I think it's as much as anything sort of adding bits to what's on display. So what would you say is um, the most overlooked item in the collection? That's a good question. Whether it's some of the, the pieces of money that we've got there, uh, because coins you know, are, are interesting in themselves and if, if they're gold and shiny, but um, some of the gold unites that we've got, you know, there were 70 gold unites found on a building site in Baldison Gate in the 1960s, you know, which they, these were the, the, the pound coin at the time. There were 20 shillings a, a, a pound. They can tell you so much as well because the depictions on them now, we've got some from James and some from Charles. Some of those depictions of Charles you know, bear out that um, divine right of kings and his, his, his rule just through the portraits on them. So people look, but they don't really look at what it can tell them is it, as much as they might. Yeah, so, so look deeper than just the, the sparkle, really. Yeah, it's not just a surface, you know, portrait that you're looking at it, it's what what is that telling you about how those people were portraying themselves what's your newest acquisition i think it's probably a silver bodkin so decorated silver bodkin 17th century and that again is a, it's another metal detecting find so it came through the portable antiquity scheme went through the uh, the treasure act and then museums get a chance to acquire them and and, and pay for them to um the british museum Half of money goes to the finder, half of money goes to the landowner. So we, we, we do get quite a lot of um, objects in that way. Now, the, there's a lot of trails and different games for the younger visitors. Um, so which Civil War item do you find children are most drawn to? I think it's probably the, uh, the bone saws. So it's the, uh, the gruesome stories of what the surgeons had to do to uh, amputate a limb. We, we did a whole uh, exhibition about uh, medicine and um, the way the hospitals really started in the Civil War. Um, that was done in conjunction with the um, University of Leicester. And uh, nice. Andy Hopper, who's, who's been a good friend to us right, right from the beginning, and we worked with him on other exhibitions and working on, on uh, another one with him at the moment. I think it's a, a side of things that people don't think about, the, uh, both the medical side but also the welfare provision. Um, uh, and it's something that Andy and other groups are working on at the moment uh, on petitions. And there's a, a website uh, where you can look at the petitions that were were done across the country. Uh, they're being done county by county at the moment, but it's, it's a four-year project to put all that together. Yeah, fascinating. I've seen some of the snippets of, of personal stories. It just really brings the individual, doesn't it, to the forefront yeah. rather yeah. than commanders or huge battles you see exactly what happened in maybe that street in that small village yeah so that you know the poor widow is left behind with uh, you know four kids to bring up and uh, you know how how did they cope yeah really really interesting um so do you have any um of king charles the first personal belongings yeah at the moment as part of the world turned up side down exhibition uh, we've got a sa- uh, fragment of the sash that he was wearing on the day he was executed that's on loan from the Spalding Gentleman's Society. But yeah, that's probably um, yeah, the closest we can get. 
There is another object that's in St Mary Magdalene's uh, church, which we're hoping to borrow, uh, and that's a chalice that Charles used every time that he visited Newark because he was quite a frequent visitor. Um, so they have the chalice there. So we've been trying to arrange the loan of that for uh, for a while, uh, nice. and we, we think we're there. We can use it, you know, for for certain periods within the year. Uh, there's other times when it has to go back to the church to be used. Touching on Charles I there, then um, what would you say is the, one of the myths around Charles? Well, I suppose the, the one that everybody associates with him is that divine right of kings. An object that tells that story is the um, we've got a, a touch piece downstairs in the main Civil War gallery. And these were issued to people that had been touched by the king as part of the uh, trying to heal scrofula. So the king's evil yeah. is, is known. It was thought that the king or, or queen's touch uh, would cure um, uh, you know, th- this disease. But by association, anybody else who touched that because it had been touched by the king would also be cured as well. So the, the, the touch isn't just uh, momentary, you know, it, it lasts on that coin. Yeah, it lasts on that coin. So, uh, yeah, somebody else can benefit as well. We now know that that, uh, that had absolutely no effect whatsoever. But at the time, absolutely believed, not just by Charles, we're talking about quite a large number of the populace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, and many people believed it and it carried on, I think it carried on right the way down to Queen Anne. And, and as you say, you know, it wasn't just something that Charles has invented and the divine no. right. That was something that his father believed. Yeah. And do you, you, you mentioned that you've got some um, items on loan from other museums, uh, like the British Museum. When we opened five years ago, we didn't have much of a, an armour collection. Uh, we, we've grown that quite significantly since. Um, but being able to display a full pikeman's armour um, and, and certainly some of the, the horse gear that, that we've got there. Um, but probably the the major one that we, we've learned from them is, is uh, Francis Hacker's buff coat because that links so much with uh, you know that local story and books so the collection the library um how large is the collection now (laughs) um well i think we now have secondary source books probably in the region of six seven hundred but that's been added to uh we're now hosting the pike and shop society's library we were in the process of cataloging that before when covid uh came in so there's about right. another 300 from them. And then primary source, so track, so the, the news books of their time, we've probably got 40 or 50. And then other books related to the Civil War, there's probably another 20 or 30 of those as well. Quite a quite a library that's been built. I mean, that, that must be one of the biggest. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's any other you know, resource to be able to study the uh, the civil wars like, like that uh, and that's always been the aim is to open that as a you know research facility for anybody who's interested just rewinding back a little bit there you'd, you'd said about the the theme displays you know such as the one about medicine um and the news um yeah. and you said that there was an upcoming one planned are you able to reveal anything about it or is it secret no not, not at all um I, we were obviously hoping this was going to be in this year um, but we're going to do something about religious tolerance, intolerance, with the uh, the Mayflower uh, anniversary. So they sailed to uh, America in 1620. 
So mm-hmm. it's 400 years this year. Yeah, as we all know, there was so much religious intolerance during the civil wars. So it, it was something that we thought we could build on, but also contemporise it as well, because unfortunately it's not something that's gone away. Um, it still exists and people are still becoming refugees because of it. Obviously that's on hold at the moment, but the uh, plan is that that will be the, um, the exhibition for next year. And then in... Uh, 22 that's um, 100 years since the um, Irish Civil War so we're just starting to do some work with some of the academics both from Leicester but also in Ireland uh, to work on an exhibition that will cover um, you know the, what happened in Ireland both during the Civil War so 1641 but also Cromwell in 1649 uh, and then bring it forward and look at what happened in 1922 as well. Brilliant. Well, that, that's been really, really interesting, Kevin. Thank you. Is there anything that you wanted to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, it, right. it's, it's great to be working with people like you, being able to see new authors uh, you know, bring books out. We've got another collaboration going at the moment with, um, I'm doing a, a, a Civil War Atlas, which is a collaboration right. between us, the Battlefield Trust, and um, Colonel Lip, Nick Lipscomb, who's uh, putting it together. Yeah, and, and that's great because that's part of what makes us that, that national civil war centre. Yeah, uh, is being able to publish things like that you know, through through Leicester, through Nick, working with people like yourself. So uh, yeah, any, anything we can do that um, you know builds up the interest on the on on the civil wars and is great. Very much an overlooked period still, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks again, Kevin, for a really interesting interview. And that's the National Civil War Centre in Newark, well worth a visit. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. As I've mentioned before, my aim is to keep the content varied, and amongst other topics, I'll soon be speaking to a Civil War author, as well as bringing you an episode that looks at the 1643 Siege of Bristol. You can keep in touch with me on Twitter at 1642Author, or on Facebook, where you can search for Mark Turnbull Author. I've also got articles about the Civil War on my blog, which can be found at www.allegianceofblood.com. Once again, thanks for listening.